Just a quick message before the episode gets underway. I want to let you know that there is an opportunity to sponsor the RG10 podcast. More about this at the end of the episode, so keep listening. Welcome to the RG10 podcast, brought to you by the people behind RG10 magazine. The aim is to bring you interviews, information and entertainment. In fact, anything interesting that's relevant to living around here. Wargrave Women and Girls Football Club started life back in the year 2000 when a teacher from a local junior school took a handful of girls for football training on a Saturday morning as they weren't allowed to join in with the boys. 22 years later and over 400 women and girls from under eights all the way up to the women's teams play week in week out making it one of the biggest female only football clubs in England. The club has recently acquired a new chairwoman with Imogen Scott taking over the reins from Bob Austin, a club legend. I've been speaking to Imogen and she started by paying tribute to her predecessor. Firstly, Bob Austin has been the chair of this club for the majority of those 22 years and all thanks must go to him for what he's done in terms of developing the club over the many years and and the different, um, I guess, milestones in the club's history so you know you can imagine four or five girls to then get to first 50 girls you know and then 100 200 300 400 they've had all these big milestones in terms of um growth of player numbers but I guess alongside that there's been there's been a number of other things that that the club are really proud of so um our president is the right honourable Theresa May, local MP. So um, she has been the club's president since she was Home Secretary back in 2013. So just what a delight to have an incredible ambassador um, and someone that does so much locally for raising the profile for, for girls and women, whether that's in business um, or in sport, you know, absolutely fantastic. And then um, Another real milestone was being awarded the um, Queen's Award for Voluntary Service in 2019. So that's that's the equivalent um, of an individual receiving an MBE. Absolutely the top award that, that a club can get or, or a volunteer or not, not-for-profit organisation. Um, so I know the club are incredibly proud of, of being awarded that and it's testament to the absolute army of parents, volunteers, coaches, refs that, that make the club a success, um, which includes, of course, you, Ben, in your role as one of our, <laughs> one of our around 50 coaches. Um, quite, quite incredible. You mentioned so many things there, so many threads I, I could pick at. Uh, Theresa May, for example, she always comes along on the, the annual trophy presentation day in the summer. You always know she's uh, making her way because you kind of see the, the couple of security guards with their shades on making their way in. You think, oh, something's happening here. There's this buzz of excitement as she walks in. Um, also, other bits and pieces you mentioned there, pitches, trying to get hold of pitches. I know because it is so popular and so many other teams in the area, that's really, really hard work. And one thing uh, I always notice as is uh, in the area you see so many girls wearing uh, the Wargrave tracksuit tops it really is an incredibly popular club Um, what are your own thoughts on the popularity of the women's game in general so um, agree I love seeing so many people in Wargrave women and girls kit about the place and um, I think actually I was surprised by uh, by our name right 
tiny idyllic riverside village you know that won't be a very big club my goodness um you know small small village mighty club and that comes from our catchment area so um given given where we're based um you know we we draw players from absolutely miles around whether that's um you know out maidenhead direction reading caversham ship lake and henley on the other side of the river we have this enormous catchment um of girls that travel to um to play for the club so yeah small small but mighty is the the kind of sense i get of this village name that really doesn't do testament to the fact we still believe the club is one of the biggest female only football clubs in the country if not in europe which is just incredible absolutely incredible and i guess that you know that talks to the popularity of the women's game in general at the moment so what a fantastic time to be involved in women's football. I mean, everyone is still buzzing from the success of the Lionesses, what that will do, uh, not just for women's football, but women's sport in general. And I think it really has inspired, you know, a whole generation of future players. They've got their role models. They've got their people they can look up to now and think, wow, I could, I could be that. I could do that. Um, and I think as you know, being involved in football, not just as players. That's the other thing. There are so many pathways for the girls and the women in the club, whether that's progressing through the teams as a player or whether that's, um, you know, training up to be a referee, becoming a coach themselves, you know, so many pathways and, you know, potentially even leading into, um, you know, careers, you know, people go on work in the FA, mentor other women's coaches. There's just such a, a wealth of opportunity and I really hope that we can be a, be a club that you know really talks about those pathways um, as well as just playing for the sheer love and enjoyment of having a great kick around with friends. Wargrave women and girls have a, a, a relationship uh, with a team of young female players in Malawi don't we? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah it's it's been there for a number of years. Um, we support a team in Machinga, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, and it's a great bit of you know outreach for us as a club so um, every year we we send kits from the previous season boots shirts etc over to the girls in Malawi and um, it's a delight to then see photos of them in the uh, the Wargrave kit that's traveled however many hundreds or thousands of miles over to Malawi and is still being um, put to great use over there so it's a relationship we're really proud of and one will look to build on more with our fundraising efforts to see how we can best support yeah, raising the profile of, of women and girls' footballs in, in all communities. Uh, my wife is a senior school teacher, and um, she said to me throughout the years when, I, when I've been saying, we've got so many girls who play for us, we don't know how to fit them all into the teams. She'd be saying, you, you, know, you just wait until they turn 14, they turn 13, <laughs> 14, 15. You're going to be thinking completely the different way. You're going to be desperate for players. And I must be honest, they've turned... 14 this year and suddenly we're struggling a little bit not, not you know it's not that people have dropped out it's just we're playing with you know it's 11 aside rather than nine aside how do you reckon you can get over that hump if you like of players dropping out when they kind of approach those GCSE years yeah Great question. And I think it's tough. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a number of people that have got theories as to why that happens. Right. The obvious one being just the other things in life get a bit more interesting. Right. Social lives, thing, things that go on, uh, you know, beyond the football pitch. But I think going back to what I said before about the friendships that the girls um, can form through their teams, if we can continue to build that real kind of, you know, connection and, and friendly atmosphere, you know, it's something they still want to be part of going forward. 
And it's, you know, it's aspirational. As we said, they've got these role models now, these incredible women playing, whether it's at the national club level, but that's aspirational. That's cool to be that, right? It's now the thing you want to be or, or can be the thing that girls want to be. So um, there's that. And I think, you know, just um, small things. So what um, a number of the national clubs have now done in terms of stopping wearing white shorts, difficult topic, for a podcast but hey let's yeah go I, one of my right. questions was going to be the unique obstacles that uh, women and girls football face and, and that touches on it exactly yeah so you know there shouldn't be barriers to girls wanting to play as you know they develop into young adults and into into women playing the game right it should be just absolutely uh you know an easy environment to be in and um yeah we've got we've got stories out there that that are testament to the fact it is now we don't have to wear white shorts on the pitch and that might have been why someone didn't want to turn up right we started off as wargrave girls football club it is now wargrave and and women sorry wargrave girls and women you get the idea we've got a w in there uh it shows that there is that pathway to playing into adult football and there's not just one team there's three teams there's a development team as well which is you know, essentially, I know women who play for that team, people who've never kicked a ball before, and they might be my kind of age. That in itself is, is a really wonderful thing. I've kind of answered my own question there. But um, how important is that? Oh, it, it goes back to what I said about, you know, if you can see it, you can be it, right? If if you're in the, you know, like our daughters under 12s, under 14s, you can see actually there's a path. I can carry on with this. This is something that I can do. You know, even when I have moved on, got a job, you know, um, for many years to come. So, it, again, it's inspirational to see there's an opportunity there um, to carry on playing. And, I, you know, I want the same for the girls as my experience. And, you know, by, by the sound of things, your experience, right? I, I grew up with sport from, you know, playing a little local netball league on Saturday mornings as a little seven-year-old, you know, right through school, university, and then as, a, as an adult. You know, most of my my social life has been built around the connections that I have made through sport. Um, you know, many of my friendships um, and indeed even professional connections actually um, have come through being part of a sporting environment, being part of a team, being part of a club. Um, so again, it's, you know, making people aware of the opportunities and the doors that it opens beyond, you know, the 90 minutes that you're on the pitch. There's so much more. Imogen, I could, uh, talk on this subject all day i will have to bring it to a close so uh thank you so much and and good luck on your new role thank you ever so much it's been a pleasure talking to you thanks ben that was imogen scott the new chairwoman of wargrave women and girls football club thanks so much for listening to the rg10 podcast we're now into series seven of the show we've been going over two years and we've passed half a century of episodes i'd love to give a massive thanks to our loyal local listeners and it's because our listeners are so loyal and so local that makes us such an attractive proposition for sponsors so if you're interested in sponsoring an episode or even the whole show then we'd love to hear from you finally if you've got any thoughts about who or what we can include in future episodes then please do let us know via the rg10mag.com website or on any of our various social media channels thanks for listening and goodbye